now I'd like us to hear the word of God from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. This is Jesus talking with his disciple John. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God for his word, and you may be seated. Let us have a moment of prayer. Gracious God, we come before you this day thanking you for your fatherly goodness. And I pray that you will bless the hearing of the scripture so that we may take it to heart this day and carry out your word in our lives so that others may come to know of your goodness and your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I remember the words of John Wesley, one of, one of the greatest sentences he ever uttered that we have kept in mind as Methodist Christians over the centuries. He said, the world is my parish. The world is my parish. I'd like us to remember that sort of as we delve into the scripture that uh, we have for today from the Gospel of Mark, a scripture, I believe, about the wideness of God's love and mercy for us. I've been thinking about this great God, this vast God that uh, is ours, and I've thought of this, the issue of prayer in particular. How can God hear all the prayers all the time of tens and hundreds of millions of people? God is very good at multitasking, I was thinking, because he can hear so many prayers and answer them and he knows us as individuals and yet there are so many of us who who follow him but in this incident in scripture today we have Jesus saying to John for he that is not against us is for us now in this incident here John had seen another group of unnamed disciples who were doing Jesus work in Jesus name and John took offense at this because they were not part of his group. They were not part of the 12 disciples that we read about in the scriptures following Jesus. But Jesus shows here the vastness of his love, his understanding, and his position as Savior of the world as he says to John, in so many words, take a wide view of your faith instead of a narrow one. The followers of Jesus, in other words, are not to be a clique. We're not to be off in the corner somewhere. But we are to serve a wide, large, and grand God. The Bible tells us the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The kingdom of God or the realm of God in men and women's hearts has the dimensions of God himself in them. 
And those who do the work of God, I believe, belong to God. Now, the vastness of God is expressed in another hymn in our hymnal called uh, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. You've probably sung it before. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea, for the love of God is broader than the measure of our minds. God is so much greater, more vast and powerful than our own limited human understanding. So Jesus is saying in so many ways today to us, do not look just at labels. We're quick to label people. We live in a society that seems to label others. We are instead to look for the actions of others, the attitudes of others, look for the hand of God in the events and incidences that are around us. Whenever there are things that take place around us that God would rejoice in, mercy, justice, uh, long-suffering, integrity, reverence, faithfulness, let us welcome these kinds of things and not greet them uh, with skepticism as we might be tempted to do. We are to meet people, first of all, I guess, as Jesus met them. He met them where they were, as they were. He met a Roman, a pagan in the eyes of some, according to some. But what did he find in the life of this Roman? He said, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. We have to ask ourselves, how open are we to God's love and mercy as we relate to other people? I remember when I served in Delaware, the Lord taught myself and other laity and pastors a great lesson. We, the Methodist pastors, were all serving communities on the 113 corridor between Selbyville and and Milford. And in this area, many Hispanic people have come over the last 20 years. And uh, they were in every community living among us. And uh, there was really no Methodist outreach to any of these people. They were hard-working people. They were thankful to have a job, and they were in our midst. And so one day I was washing my car in the backyard, and uh, a Hispanic young man came up to me. His name was Miguel, and he asked if he could fill his water jugs at our hose. And I, I said, certainly. He said the water at his apartment was not good, and he didn't care to drink it. And so we talked. He filled his water jugs I learned he was an evangelical Christian from Mexico, and he was proud of his faith. He showed me his his Spanish Bible, and uh, based on that and some other encounters I and other pastors had with our Hispanic neighbors, God put a burden on our hearts. You know what a burden on your heart is when something, an issue arises that you maybe never dealt with before, and it's out of the realm of what you usually do, but God puts that thought, that burden there, and and wants you to do something about it. And God put a burden on the hearts of the pastors in that corridor and some of the key laity. And to make a long story short, this happened over a number of years, a task force was formed, and a United Methodist Hispanic missionary couple were brought in from Puerto Rico, 
And today, 18 years later, there is a strong United Methodist Hispanic church that exists in southern Delaware. It has an attendance of 160 on Sunday. It is Iglesia Methodista United Bethel or Bethel United Methodist Church. It is there today because of the vastness of the work of God's Holy Spirit touching, renewing, challenging us. We were able to practice Christian hospitality. What is Christian hospitality? Robert C. Roberts said we can practice Christian hospitality in the way we look at other people. Christian hospitality reaches out and befriends the stranger based on the understanding that in spite of the strangeness of others around us, these people are finally not strangers really, but they're fellow recipients of God's fatherly concern, fellow sinners, hopefully on a journey with God as we are. As Christians, we're called to be aware of the people and the needs around us, I feel, whether they are long-established families or whether they are newer people who have come into our area. Why? Because so many of the things they value are the same things that we value. And the grace of God has come to them just as it has come to us. Our faith engendered by Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, is a large faith. It is a moving faith of many different people and nations and races. The Bible, which we, which we reverence, is a book in just about every language available in the world today. It is found all over the world. It is a testimony to Christianity's refusal to be bound by just a certain language, a certain race, a certain way of speaking. Have we ourselves received the fullness of God available through Jesus Christ our Lord so that we ourselves can understand the largeness of the God whom we serve and the largeness of his kingdom. Can we understand that he who is not against us is for us and that a cup of water or a deed of love and mercy given in his name is a powerful, powerful tool? How can we live and experience the fullness of God's grace in Jesus Christ? Well, we can do it by several things. By seeing or by seeking God and his will through prayer and through the sincere desire of our hearts. The scriptures say, If with all your heart ye truly seek me, ye shall ever surely find me. So we can seek this God and we will find him. We can find him by believing in his word, of course. Uh, Reverend Patterson spoke on that last week, the importance of listening to his word. In this sacred book, the Bible, it contains all the great truths that are there for us to benefit from. And also we must confess that God is the center of our life as revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We must be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the living Christ. Are we open to that leading? We were, we've been, I've been open to it over the years in varying ways, and many of you have, I know. Oswald Chambers wrote that we are filled with God when we sign away our rights. We have to give up our importance, and then we can find 
the way that God wants us to live and find the leadership that will come from Him. We live in times that are very difficult. I got this card from the Billy Graham organization, which we get their mailings. It's a very difficult time for many people in America. They, they are telling us out of 100 average Americans today, seven are struggling with depression. Seven out of 100. Eight out of 100 are struggling with the loss of a job. Seven out of 100 are, are, are dealing with the abuse an addiction to drugs or alcohol. 14 out of 100 feel crippled or trapped by fear and anxiety. Three are grieving the death of a loved one. And 60 out of 100 do not profess to be born again in any way. 20% of Americans today claim no religious affiliation. That is the highest number ever on record. One-third of young people today claim no religious affiliation. We as church members will come across seven unchurched persons every day we live. Isn't that something? We'll come across seven people who don't go to church, who probably don't have any faith. George Will, the columnist that we read in the paper every so often, and he is a Roman Catholic, he has said that what we need in this country is for the Methodists to save us again, like they did 250 years ago. How'd they save us? They had this vital faith, this vital piety, and they also had a heart for the conditions that men and women were struggling with in their personal lives. George Will said the Methodists could save us again. Isn't that something for him to say that? How about each of us? Jesus is asking us, I feel, the following, and he's asked this in every church I've ever served, and he continues to ask us this all the time. First of all, he's asking, do you love me? Do you love me? Love. Love is a passionate word. It's a powerful word. Do you love me? Do you practice hospitality? Is there passionate worship? Is there intentional faith development in our church? Do we take a risk in mission as a church? Is there extravagant generosity? Do you love me? And he says, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you as an individual be in some kind of a mission? Some kind of a, a intentional thing to do the will of God make things better in your life and make a difference for some others around you. You know, we live in a culture that uh, teaches us to do what is necessary so often. We just do what is necessary and we are called in following Christ to work for excellence, excellence in following Him. I want to share with you a song as I close. And this is a song, it's a one I've heard a long time ago. It's a very simple song. It, it really asks us a question or tells us a story about helping somebody, making a difference as we follow Jesus Christ.
If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. If I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a good man ought, if I can bring back beauty to a world abroad, if I can spread love's message that the Master taught, then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. If I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. Let us pray. Lord God, our Father and our Creator, who has come to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and who is with us always in the Holy Spirit, we pray that as we go from this place, we would see the wideness of your love and see it in the faces of men and women, children and others, in our neighborhoods, in the city in which we live, in this area. And we pray that you would help each of us to make a difference for Christ as we see the wideness of your love. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.